Welcome to the Maximum Theater and Performance Podcast. This is Jose Solis. Today, Liz, Penemaria, and I talk about The Lucky Ones, Symphonie Fantastique, Feeding the Dragon, and Leisure Labor Lust. Enjoy the show. Oh, that's yes. right. Yeah. Yeah. And we're all having coffee. So, it's, yeah. 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 Hyper Maximu. Before our evening events. That's right. Nice. Maximu after hours. Mm. <laughs> Are we going to be talking about like all the burlesque shows? Yes. <laughs> yeah. Actually, we haven't done an episode like that now, now that I think about it. I know, right? It. Um, yeah. Introductions, I guess. Yep. Yeah. Uh, it's me, Liz from Fuck Yeah Great Plays. I'm sorry. <laughs> did I throw you off? Yes, you did. Because you didn't say that last time. <laughs> oh, yeah, right. Last time I said, F yeah, great place. Okay. That's actually what the URL is. But the actual name of the blog is, fuck yeah, great place. Okay, all right. This is Penny Maria here. Penny Maria Jackson. And I also review with To See or Not To See NYC with my co-host, Emily Hawkins. And I'm Jose. You can find me everywhere, basically. Yes, this is true. <laughs> Jose is everywhere. <laughs> so today we're going to be talking about four shows that we saw. Did we say, like, we only did one borough this time, right? Um, well, all in, yes, yeah. in Manhattan. Yeah, yes, right. you are correct. But in different areas. Yes, different yeah. neighborhoods. Yeah. And none in the Times Square area. Mm-hmm. So we're, we're still bringing you something different. Yeah. No something tourist traps. No tourist traps. No, no. <laughs> So um, yes, I guess we'll start with Feeding the Dragon. This was written and performed by Sharon Washington. This was actually her first uh, production as a playwright. You may have seen her on stage in While I Yet Live, um, which was also produced by Primary Stages. And then she was also in the Scottsboro Boys on Broadway. And I actually got to see her in both of these productions. So it was pretty cool to come back and see her doing this autobiography. Excuse me. See, you see her doing this autobiographical show. Um, and it was called Feeding the Dragon. And it was about her time growing up in the St. Agnes branch of the New York Pub- Public Library, where her father served as the building's custodians. So um, I really liked this show, right? It gave us something different, something unexpected. You got to see something so magical. Um, it was so honest. It was a fairy tale about this young girl living in Manhattan in a story that often isn't told at all. So I really like the purity of it. And I'm glad that Primary Stages uh, put this on. And we should let you know that we got to see this at the Cherry Lane Theater. So a great location. Uh, the set was so amazing. Liz and I oh spoke about this yes. briefly. Um, Tony <laughs> Ferreri did the scenic design, which is as you would imagine, built out of books. Yes, um, gorgeous. But it has just, I don't know, it has such a playful quality. You're right, it is kind of the fairy tale. Of, um, did either of you guys read uh, the mixed up files of Mrs. Bansley Drinkwater when you were kids? No. Well, I was obsessed with that book. And it's about um, a brother and sister who run away to the, um, what is the museum? One of the museums in New York. And of course, I just oh, Natural History Museum? Natural History Museum. Yeah. Okay. Um, and they spend the night there and they live there. And it was like, mm-hmm. uh, I love that book so much. Wow. Um, mm-hmm. and it, yeah, it reminded me a lot of that because it really is this fantasy of like what goes on in New York behind secret closed doors. Exactly. And like Wonderstruck. Oh, you yes. were what? Yeah, like Wonderstruck. Yes. Yeah. I, I'm going to have to be like the cranky pants here because even though I really loved all like the aspects of enchantment that you're talking about, I felt that the show really fell flat when she talked about her father's 
uh, alcoholism. Mm -hmm. Like, I felt that that was something that they, like, imposed on the show to make it mm -hmm. dramatic. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and interesting. Uh, it's funny because mm -hmm. I, I did feel like, I was going to say that the story is very surface level. Mm -hmm. I mean, much like a, a fairy tale. It's sort of just, these things keep happening, and we don't really know how they happen, but they yeah. happen, and it's amazing. <laughs> and then when that, her father's alcoholism came to the end, it gave it a depth, but yeah. almost felt unearned mm -hmm. a little bit, mm -hmm. because we had been coasting so far on the sort of magic mm -hmm. of the story. Yeah. But I think maybe it was, like what you're saying, like someone said, hey, you need something with a little bit of dramatic heft. And well, like, oh, well, he was an alcoholic. Like, if nothing terrible happened in your family, yeah. that's fine. No, I, I yeah. kind of looked at it like it was her looking back through her childhood eyes, not the adult eyes. So when she was that young, you can only see and comprehend a certain level. And so that's what I personally like took it as. Mm -hmm. um, and I kind of thought like she did bring up a lot of like serious issues, although we're so used to seeing, you know, black people tell their stories on stage and they're all completely dark. And this wasn't that, yes, which true. is why it was refreshing. Um, but uh, she brought up the things like her family's sweat, tears, and prayers being ingrained in the building, right, and people not knowing that. And it kind of reminded me of this country as a whole, right, this whole part of the world, how <laughs> people of color built this place up. And, of course, we get no reward for that or acknowledgement at all, <laughs> even though our hands physically built it. Um you know, when she talks about like, like his fingerprints being yes, in the wood everywhere, yeah. mm -hmm, like, mm -hmm. they lost something in the sex, which is no yeah. idea if it's still there or not. You know, exactly. Years and years later, it's yeah. a way that you leave your your mark a little bit. And and also um, the correlation between the books that you saw on stage and that integration in her life, um, you got to see her quote uh, Hugh Langston Hughes, um, Zora Neale Hurston. James Baldwin, and so you got to see how, as she was discovering these things, um, she got to kind of relate that back to her life and her her own experiences. Sort of the do like the duality, right, of being black in America. So um, she got the wonderful chance to go to this private school on the east side, um, but giving you some context, like how it felt for her being the only black student in this place, and then her mother like trying to blend in and how rough that was, but still being appreciative, right, for um, being able to get this scholarship and be in this new place. So it's like, it rem it was the fairy tale, but not sort of the American fairy tale. It was kind of like um, the Guillermo de Toro style fairy tale. I kind of <laughs> saw it as like a weird, right? So it's a little bit magical, but a little bit dark. And maybe there was some difficulties in blending that, which is what you guys are talking about with the alcoholism of the father, but the, you know, magic of being in the library after hours. Yeah. Um, I think I probably would have been just like really, really happy if it had just been like Sharon Washington talking about the books she loved and yeah. why she loved yeah. them yeah. and how she related yeah. it to them. And how she yeah. discovered them. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Because I did love the way that she tied in clearly what she was reading running around after hours. Yeah. I would have loved to have mm -hmm. heard even more of that. Like yes. The, what, what that introduced her to. Mm -hmm. Well, I like, I love the moment of her, you know, connecting with her grandmother, right? When she like <laughs> finds this book and she like brings it up and she's like, grandmother. And they just sit there for hours from daylight until oh, the, the sunset. The Audubon book, right? Yes, the Audubon book of I birds love, and how yeah. her grandmother reads every word. But yeah. she says, you know, her grandmother, even though she lives in the library and her with her parents as well, her grandmother is the one who instilled this love of reading into her. And I really connected with that portion of it. And, me, and it also made me think about the self-appreciation, like that my grandmother, Lillette, 
Aretha McPhee and my big mama, Eldora Small, kind of um, instilled in me as a child. So I connected with that part. Um, there was a moment when she was telling, the grandmother was telling her, oh, you have to love your hair, right? And so I, I saw like a few of those moments in the play. There were not a lot of black people in the audience, but where <laughs> you heard them go, mm, and then <laughs> and you saw the white people like, what's going on? So I thought that was like quite interesting, right? To just watch that like happen. Um, but uh, I, I appreciated the show. Um, overall, it was very interesting and refreshing. And yeah, I mean, I feel like it's her first foray into this. And who knows, maybe she'll keep refining and bring us something even stronger. Uh, next up, we have The Lucky Ones, which is an Ars, by no Ars Nova piece by piece production <laughs> in Z Space um, that they're doing at the Metropolitan Playhouse, which is over very far on uh, East 4th and like what avenue b it's a ways out over there it was a journey it's it is a <laughs> like bit the of a show journey. itself it is and the show is is also a bit of a journey um the book and the music and lyrics are uh by the bensons uh who you may have seen at i believe under the radar mm-hmm. uh, this past year and new york theater workshop New York theater workshop mm-hmm. they, they, they've been around um they write very beautiful autobiographical uh songs they are married they have a child and this piece really focuses on Abigail Benson's family history, um, specifically her growing up in this sort of commune school system that her parents are involved in, mm-hmm. um, and they live next door to these close family friends who have children of similar ages, and they all sort of grow up together. And I don't want to spoil anything, at least yeah. in this initial description. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm sure when we get into it, we can spoil a little bit. But um, <laughs> it deals with the history of this of this family, these two families, and the way they come together and separate, and trying to make sense of all of that. Mm-hmm. Um, so. I knew some of the Benson's music, but I hadn't seen a show of theirs mm-hmm. uh, before. So this was a great introduction. Their music is beautiful. I mean, heartfelt. And, so amazing. And so emotional. And then to see not only them singing it, Abigail and uh, Sean Benson, but also to bring on a choir, really, yes. um, of other voices in the community old young multiracial like bringing in all of these people in mm-hmm. the room together it was a beautiful experience i also i just love the metropolitan playhouse i love this sort of old you know lived in mm-hmm. feel you know it used to be part of a church yeah uh, it used to be part of a girl girls school it has this great history and i so i and they incorporated that into yeah, the show I mean, as well which is really amazing talking about the layers, right, of Earth and Manhattan and the slaves who built certain part of it and the Native people who was here before that and then the animals who were here. So I really like that layered introduction. Yeah. It's, it's funny because we saw Lucky Ones mm-hmm. the same week that we saw Feeding the Dragon. And to me, there, there are some parallels there with um, what I would call maybe family mythology, which is mm. like the stories in your family 
that sort of become more outsized and get retold so much that they're almost like a legend instead of a thing that happened mm. to you. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I feel like there were kind of elements of that in both of these pieces and the way they used, you know, a, a family myth yeah. in, in an interesting way. Um, yeah, I mean, I think it's just a beautiful, also the choreography in Lucky Ones is out of control good. And they have trained, professionally trained dancers, and you can see yeah. that through oh in the delivery. Gosh. So, so amazing. Um, and so you mentioned Ab- Abigail. This was my first time seeing them perform, and I was blown away by the voices, right? So it was, like, so soulful, and, and it followed the storyline so beautifully, right? So it started off with all of this energy, and as the show kind of morphed and we went down this dark journey, the music changed as well. Um, yeah, I mean... Um, Abigail Benson, mm-hmm. Benson, as well as uh, Damon Dono, who we've talked about before. Ah, mm-hmm. um, we love. Beardo, who we love. <laughs> yes. Um, the play for, Kai. Both yeah. of them are nominated for Lortel Awards for this show. And we can um, see why. As they yeah. should be. They are fantastic. And oh, choreography is uh, Sonia Tate. Yeah, and I, I also want to recognize um, the girl who played Emma, Adina Verson. She was oh, in yeah. Indecent. And I mean, when that spotlight is on her and her final moments on stage, ah, I was just like, yes, I am right with, I'm right here with you. It was really amazing. They also um, brought up this theme of, you know, kind of trying to explain who and what God is. And they said over and over, God is the space between us, right? So it, um, it kind of goes to uh, those relationships that we have and how we should be trying to yeah, make the, them whole. The multiple meanings of God being between us yeah the thing that comes between us is Mm -hmm. the thing that is bringing us together and and they see they interpret it a lot of different ways during the course of the show i really like i don't want to spoil it for you because it's just so Mm -hmm. beautifully Mm -hmm. done yes it really was um and i think uh the the theme song the last song they sing in the show um which is called the lucky ones right um it talks about uh, being a survivor, right? And how oftentimes when you're a survivor, you don't really think of it as a blessing. Or if you do, you're, it's kind of tainted by the people who did not get the chance to be here. But it's kind of, the song kind of makes you appreciate the fact that you have a chance to try again, to try to get it together this time. And I think overall, the story kind of mirrored what happens a lot, in a lot of families. Things happen, various things, right? And people separate over time. Um, but in the show, you know Abigail is trying to reunite her family as best she can and trying to move forward and it's about progress ultimately yeah and sometimes there is no easy solution sometimes there is no uh, closing the book on something Mm -hmm. sometimes it just things end yeah and I I felt that in a really profound way um, with this and I will say this is a show um, that I would see again if I were invited back. Yeah, <laughs> I, just, I would go see it again. Let's, let's start working on that now. I would go back. I, I didn't see the show, but just, but you were saying this before about, you know, like family legends and mm. family myths. Like my mind went to like so many places. Yeah. Like I remember my, there's a story on my dad's side of the family where like apparently like when his like great, great, great grandma was giving birth to whatever great grandma you know whatever great 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 grandma that was uh the guy who got her pregnant was getting married to another woman across mm. from town mm-hmm. yeah don't we all have a little yeah. bit of that in our families and yeah i love those like i would love to hear mm-hmm. 
some of yours but also yeah. like if our listeners like if you want to share on twitter or facebook or whatever yeah. your yeah. family myths I, I, yeah. I think we would all love to hear yeah. that so right on, on my grandmother's side back and back and back and back um he was a curandero and he <laughs> healed people mm-hmm. whatever mm-hmm. ways like out in the ranches in mexico and we have a book of like things that he told people to do <gasps> wow where it's like Gather rainwater for three days. Put it in a bucket. Bathe outside. Wow. Go do this. Eat these grasses. And then your knee's fixed. And, like, <laughs> <laughs> and they're these amazing. And then, so this book is all these people being like, and then I did it and I was cured. Wow. Like, really? And there are actual recordings of this. This, this is yeah, amazing. They have, yeah, it's really neat. It's a book mm-hmm. and we have it, and we have it uh, in Spanish and English on each page. Mm-hmm. Someone mm-hmm. went and translated it so we can look through it. But it's amazing but that it's like a myth thing and one of the, i forgot to mention when i said that but it's one of my favorite parts of the show where they said um and they also wrote in the program things like none of this happened and all of it is true yes <laughs> yes like, exactly perfect yes mm-hmm, that's mm-hmm. I, you know yeah um i think i kind of have the opposite right so there were whispers of magic right in my family but i think also with um the whole uh, assimilating into the states and what's proper and what isn't right there's not a oh and also christianity right there aren't really stories shared about this um but i do feel some sort of power within me that i feel has been passed down from my ancestors um so i i've been told that i have like healing hands right um which my mom just considers hot hands <laughs> miami she's like get off me <laughs> And I'm like, it's the healing power, mother. That's what you're feeling. You, it skipped you. You don't understand. <laughs> so, um, and then also kind of sometimes this gift of like knowing certain things. So, and it, it happens like from time to time. Like, I'll just look at someone randomly and I'm like, you had ovarian cysts. <gasps> and they're like, yes. And I'm like, I know it's weird, right? I'm magic. <laughs> but I don't have any written proof. Of this. Oh, wow. <laughs> so I guess if the Bengtsons are listening, make a musical about us. Yeah. Right? Yes, bring please bring incorporate us. us. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So what do we have next? So next up we have Symphony Fantastique, which is uh, happening at Here Arts. Symphony Fantastique is celebrating its 20th anniversary. And basically what it is, is a show where this incredible puppeteer, Basil Twist, who... Uh, you might know from his work both in like indie theater, but also for his like incredible puppets in Charlie and a Chocolate Factory on Broadway. He does this surreal puppet accompaniment to Berlioz's uh, Symphony Fantastique. So basically, what we have is a piano, a pianist who is amazing, just playing Symphony Fantastique, and a giant water tank, yes. an aquarium full of rags mm. for lack of you know like fancier words fabric yeah fabric yeah that's much better <laughs> fabric and like plastic tubes mm-hmm. and you know it's one of these shows where it sounds really cliche to say it but you have to see it like yeah. i don't even know how to explain it it's mm-hmm. you're like i was enraptured for an hour just looking at the water change colors yes and i was like how did this happen and what are they doing yeah and they have you know it's like it's like both like being inside like the like a dr seuss mm-hmm. aquarium but also like seeing 
organisms through a microscope. Yes, I thought the yes. same yes. exact thing, right? I was thinking like midnight on a submarine, you know? Yes. Right? Oh, I was thinking of it like it was everything all at once, right? So for me, it looked like creation and growth and evolution, the whole like circle of life. And I felt like you some some of the items looked like DNA uh, strands and some were like micro molecules. And um, they incorporated like earth earthly elements throughout. Right. So you had um, Aurora Borealis, which I was just like so excited. This is what it looked like to me. It basically looked like some uh, colored lasers, but they were so beautiful and so amazing. Um, but also the elements of water and then the stars. Uh, they created flowers with the fabric as well. And then they had all of these animals that were like glittering. And it looked like, yeah, you like you were at the bottom of the ocean. <laughs> and it was so magical. And you can hear uh, Liz and I got to see it um, at an afternoon matinee. So we got to hear all the kids yeah. Uh, yeah, so, screaming. So <laughs> I, I don't think I really liked the show. Um, <laughs> well, if I, you had listened to me and done what I told you to do before the show, maybe you would have enjoyed <laughs> it. We'd been drinking. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I was like, imagine if we were drinking. <laughs> this would have been out. Like, we Even better. Yeah. Okay. Um, yeah. And that, I want to preface this with: I love seeing kids at the theater. I give kids at the theater so much more leeway than I give adults at the theater. Kids can, like, talk and move around and fall asleep, but I don't care. Like, it doesn't bother me at all. Um, so I was really excited because there were so many kids at this show today. Um, and I just, that makes me happy. But kids are a tough crowd. Mm-hmm. And this yes. is, a t- like, <laughs> this is build. I mean, not build as, but I was thinking, Bounce on Twist, family-friendly, sensory puppet show. I was expecting something really different than I, I got. I agreed. And agreed. I think there were many people in that audience yes. who were in the same boat. Because um, I could hear a lot of fidgeting and a lot of questions. And, mm-hmm. um, the child next to me who wondered if we ever need a Maximu critic um, yes. would be amazing. <laughs> uh, a junior, yes. a junior in the field. Maximu Jr. He was, <laughs> it was delightful. He had lots of questions. He was watching it. And at one point, he leaned over to his mom and he goes, Mom, this is Heart, this is barely a play. Yes. And I was like, <laughs> so adorable. You're right. You're right, honey. Yeah. yeah. It is. Um, and I just, so I love kids for that because they also are, are tough critics. And I think this was not exactly what I was expecting. And I mm-hmm. think it was not exactly what maybe those families were expecting. Yeah. Um, I, I did think it was beautiful to watch. An hour sort of tested my interest in it because. I it kept thinking it was the end. Yeah. It didn't. Um, elevate Mm -hmm. or crescendo in a way I was expecting. I -hmm. I knew like early on, once we get through that first piece, I knew that it wasn't going to be a coherent, realistic storyline. But I kept waiting for elements to sort of build on each other and Mm -hmm. I felt like they Mm -hmm. didn't. Mm -hmm. Um, And also, I don't know if it was just where I was sitting, the piano player was great. But he was doing something in between music <laughs> that I couldn't see. Well, people, I could hear people laughing, so there was something. He was, I could see, he was making various faces. He was, he like was having, it's, Frowning. it's like he was, like, trying to have his own show, like, in between. He was doing yeah, hand was gestures. Doing hand stuff. And I was like, sir, you're not a puppet. Like, just yeah. play. So you're that also was not lit. Like, I can't tell if you're not lit. Um, so, <laughs> while it was, it was beautiful, for a little bit, um, it, it was it wasn't 
enough. Yeah. It wasn't mm-hmm. really what I wanted. It. I mean, part of it is I'm selfishly like I had an idea of what it was going to be, and it was not that thing. And you're mm-hmm. f- familiar with uh, Basil's yeah. work. I've never seen any of it, and I thought it was just so layered, and I was bedazzled by the glitter yeah, okay. <laughs> in the I mean, water. Was, so I, was I was like, ooh, sort of like settled into it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, know, like, like yeah. warm bath, sort of mm-hmm. like dip into it. Mm-hmm. Um, I enjoyed it, but I don't. I wouldn't have ever chosen this mm-hmm. on my own, yeah. knowing what I know mm-hmm. now. Mm-hmm. Um, I also don't really like going to see modern dance, so I feel like it's maybe like uh, interesting. You say that. I was thinking. In the same vein. I was thinking this like they could put a recording of this in MoMA, and it would still work yeah, as art. I had thinking, that thought. Like, if this was in a museum, I would stop and watch it for a little yeah, bit. Yeah. But it, yeah. it feels different being in a theater. Mm-hmm. Um, all of that to say. Um, if you go, go backstage afterwards. So Penny cool. Marie and I went and did yeah. it. It was really fun. Mm-hmm. You get to see how they do everything with all their noodles and their hang. They hang from the ceiling. Yeah, they get in the idea. harness. There's like a ceiling yes. harness. Oh my god, it was yeah. so cool. Yeah, yeah. Um, and it's very soggy backstage. Um, but it's great. So be careful. Yeah. <laughs> I was so enraptured by the show that when they opened a backstage tour, I chose not to go because I was like, this was so magical that I don't yeah. want to know. How they do. I, I had know. to know. I was like, it looked like they had 80 people working backstage. And I will say it was only five. Like, there were so many things flying in and out. I was like, what is happening? I was like, are there multiple screens? Like, I had to see. So I, I was happy to go backstage. Yeah, it's it's definitely worth seeing backstage if you're there maybe they should have like you know like two audiences one that yes. gets to see it, what goes on like uh, backstage yeah. and then, i like this yeah. idea <laughs> there is no room backstage there for me. i know i know i know but, I but it would be cool to, that would be really cool just watching people sweating they probably wouldn't put you to work like, they're like cool hold this just drive that fabric over there <laughs> All right, so we have one more we're going to mention. Liz, why don't you tell oh, us? Oh, yeah, I will, I will intro my friend now. Yeah. Um, this, is, this is a show that just Penny Marie and I saw um, called Leisure Labor Lust at the Tank uh, by Sarah Farrington. And this is the Tank's new space. I think they just moved in, they said, last year. Um, they took over the what used to be the June Havoc Theater um, on 36th Street, which... Spoiler alert, or, or fun fact, I guess, uh, was where my very first job was in New York. I worked concessions at that theater. <laughs> now you're full circle coming back now, as a I reviewer. Know, it was crazy. I walked in and I was like, oh. And so I had to buy, I had to buy a drink because <laughs> I felt like I owed it to the building. Oh. <laughs> um, anyway, so Leisure Labor Lost is a triptych of plays. Um that all center on a sort of turn-of-the-century couple with drama and secrets and intrigue and some upstairs-downstairs business, Mm -hmm. um, focusing on the wife, uh, who Grace, who meets a mysterious man at a party, doesn't entirely know who he is. Um, But the man knows her. But the man knows her and begins a sort of clandestine secret affair with him it's all it's all very like corsets and gasping and it's wonderful uh, if you like that sort of thing um, which i do i love that thing <laughs> yes, also it's, it's very everything is fraught everything's fraught all the time um so again not to give too much away but you do get three pieces that sort of explore the same incident from the point of view of 
the wife and her servant, then the servant's quarters, and then the third piece from the butler and, and the husband. And the husband. Mm-hmm. Um, while the plot didn't necessarily introduce me to anything new or startle it, you know, it didn't change my worldview. Um, I found it really interesting, especially I think Leisure, the, the first piece, is the strongest of the three. Um, and I think that has something to do with the actresses, with Gabriella Rodine and Stephanie Regina, um, especially uh, Stephanie, who plays Lucy, the servant. Yes, and she was really good. Um, she was very strong, be- I agree. Yeah, yeah. Between, so in both the, the first and the last piece, um, the servant plays multiple roles because they sort of flash backwards and flash forward and and all of that. So well, I th- I think um, Lucy's uh, uh, Stephanie she had to play like eight roles while the butler played two, right? Himself and then oh yeah, the I guess the butler only played so, two. So yeah, she she, she had the most to carry. Lifting, yeah, um, including playing the uh, gentleman. Uh, what is his name? The street. What's his name? The Delancey. Delancey. Mr. Delaney or Delancey. Mr. Delancey. Yes. Um, and the and she plays the husband during one of the yeah. flashbacks. Yeah, and multiple She roles. has a, a fantastic stage presence, um, and I really liked the relationship between the two of them, um, including the biggest, like the most sexual tension over gloves I mm-hmm. think I've seen mm-hmm. since Carol, probably. Yes. Um, <laughs> It was great, and it was just a beautiful, and I I found myself in that first piece being like, I hope we never actually meet Delancey, and Lucy just plays him through the piece, yeah. because she has this like, great energy, and mm-hmm. the two of them had beautiful chemistry, and of course it was great when we actually met him, or did we, later <laughs> in the piece, um, but overall, you know, I think that there's a really good nugget here, and I like where it's going. Mm-hmm. But I don't know if I felt like this is the the final draft of it. No, not yet. But that, I mean, that's what the tank is for. The tank right? is for incubating new artists. So, you know, who's to say? Keep keep at it, Sarah. Yes, I agree with those statements. Um, I I will say I was a little confused at first. So I knew there were three different acts. Uh, the device of the flashback and, you know, St- Stephanie slash Lucy playing multiple characters. Um, I, I, I think it kind of threw me off when we actually met some of the characters. I was like, wait a minute. Oh, they're here for real. <laughs> yeah. yeah, but I also think that there is, one thing that the play did very well is there were moments where uh, Lucy or um, was Gil- uh Gilbert, mm-hmm. uh, who plays the, who is the butler, um, where you see them and you're not quite sure at first which role they're playing. Yes, I think the script plays with that very mm-hmm. well. Where mm-hmm. you see someone, and you're like, mm-hmm. are they playing themselves or are they going to be someone else right in the scene? Mm-hmm. Um, I also thought like it gave us a good look at um, a lot of the things we don't think about from that period of time, right? 
Um, and some of the things that are still prevalent today, like uh, water issues, right? Um, the lower class had difficulties down on River Rivington Street, right? And we see in America today, there are certain cities that still have the same issue with good drinking water. Um, also, was very interesting, which I, I, I can't understand this for anything, but for the wealthy, you bought a new dress and you didn't wear it for a year. Oh, yeah. What was that about? I so... Uh, yeah, completely, yeah. Yeah, it was nice to get uh, that Little mid- glimpses that of life back then. That with uh, Christopher Taco, who plays Gilbert and uh, Lucy, mm-hmm. to get the glimpse of what's going on in the servants' quarters while Grace is having a leisurely bath in mm-hmm. the middle of the <laughs> Wasting night. water. Or this, like, <laughs> wasting water while yeah. she has to carry a bucket up 12 times mm-hmm. for her family. And mm-hmm. that parallel, I thought, was great. Yeah. Um, so it was, yeah, an interesting uh, piece of work. I I will also say I had a gripe that I had to. <laughs> I, I was like, wait a minute. Why is this wealthy woman's dress wrinkled? <laughs> this that would not true. have been so during that time <laughs> because Lucy would have ironed that and had it together. <laughs> so that's just one of, you know, one of my little costumes. <laughs> they got a bathtub on stage. Exactly. <laughs> So I was like, ah, so close. Um, but yes. <laughs> I love that. Just me. <laughs> That's awesome. I'm really looking forward to this. I haven't seen it. I'm going to see it in a few weeks because I really love uh, Sarah's work. I've, I've seen, I don't think I've ever seen her, <clears throat> uh, any of the shows she's directed, but mm-hmm. she and her husband just last year uh, did Casablanca Box at Hear Art. And I think we might have talked about this on a podcast. Yeah. yeah, it was definitely on a podcast. So I loved that show so much. So I'm really looking forward to this. So what's next on your agendas? Well, Wednesday, I am playing hooky and going to go see Angels in America. It was my birthday present. I'm really excited about it. Which, actually, now I'm having a flashback to that Dangerous Voice show. <laughs> and I was thinking, like, when they had the white fabric and then these, uh, I was like, oh, it kind of looks like an angel. And then they had the red light-up uh, things. I was like, <gasps> oh, evil. <laughs> <laughs> Our Lady of 121st Street, Signature. I'm going to go see that. Oh, yeah. And so excited. And Dominique um, has a new show uh, coming there as well. Yes. I'm I'm trying to get on the list for it. Talking to one of my contacts. (laughs) Um, And uh, on the the way here, Liz and I was uh, talking about all these revivals going on on Broadway, led by a lead. Yes, yes. I'm going to go check out Carousel. All right. I will be very interested to see what you have to say. Um, I'm interested in that. I, I will I will wait. <laughs> on that, even if just on like Facebook or Twitter, I'll yeah. say something. Oh, and I, and I think I just got tickets to see uh, Dance Nation. Mm. I think that's going on. This, the, the one that's, whatever's coming up at Playwrights, I just got the tickets for. I can't remember. I think it's Dance Nation. Or this flat earth, one of the, I don't know. Whatever one they have coming up, I'm going to it because I was excited about yeah. it. Whatever it was. I'm also interested in seeing um, Nameless Friend at L.E. in Washington, New York. At the public. Oh, public. Oh, yeah. Invite me to that, anyone? Anyone? <laughs> yeah. I didn't know we could put requests at the end I of the mean, episode. I'm into make, it. The Bible says make your request. No. <laughs> <laughs> I'm also looking for someone to pay off my student loans, uh, you know. Nice. <laughs> Well, I got a wedding to pay for if anyone wants to chip in. <laughs> <laughs> While we're making requests. Jose, Jose, let me know. 
Like, what do you need? I have no wedding coming, uh, but I'm going to Carousel also. I'm seeing Mean Girls on my birthday, so oh, yay. yay. I'm also going to see King Lear at BAM next weekend. Oh, yeah. And a bunch of other things because it's crazy Broadway spring and too many shows to list. Yes. But all exciting times. Well, we'll be back soon enough. We'll be back. Thank you. Bye. Thank you so much for joining us for today's episode of the Maximum Theater and Performance Podcast. If you have questions, comments, or opinions that are different from our own, we'd love to hear from you. You can find us on Twitter at Maximum. Liz is at Miss Liz Richards. Penny Maria is at Penny Maria. And I'm at Jose Solis Mayen. If you enjoy the show, please leave a rating and review on iTunes or wherever you listen to podcasts. And we have merch. You can buy coffee mugs, tote bags, and stickers with your favorite Maximoisms. You can get to the store via Maximo.com. All proceeds go to helping the podcast improve our sound quality. Gracias. Theatrical Media. <laughs>